All right, well, finally, we are going to continue our study in the book of Acts. It seems like a long time ago, right, that we were methodically walking through the book of Acts, and we got up to the eighth chapter, uh, and things changed a little bit for us. Frankly, this time of year, during the counting of the Omer, we usually do some kind of series at that time, uh, but we also needed to talk about the pandemic. We needed to talk about, uh, you know, the other uh, things going on in our in our uh, you know in our country and in our world. Uh, the issue of uh, uh, just injustice, racism, and things of that neat nature, and what it means to be a Messiah follower in the midst of all of it, uh, as a peacemakers, as a people who bring uh, an alternative uh, solution. Uh, you know, to the uh, issues in our world, and hopefully uh, it does have uh, an impact. But now we're back uh, for sure in the book of Acts, and if you remember, uh, in Acts, it is really the story of uh, the uh, of the continuing work of Messiah Yeshua. Uh, after the resurrection for 40 days, Yeshua taught his disciples. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem, right, uh, for the hope, uh, uh, the promised hope to come, uh, and that they would receive the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, they would be empowered uh, to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And then we read the historical narrative of the pouring out of the Ruach. The pouring out of the Ruach is a sign of the, be the beginning of, of the Olam Habab, the world to come, of the presence uh, of the uh, kingdom. Uh, but more so, it is the continued presence of Messiah, Yeshua, in this world. The presence of the Ruach, we could say, is the presence of Yeshua via the Holy Spirit. That's why you read numerous passages where Paul says, to live is Messiah, to die is gain. Where he uh, says in another place, I have been crucified with Messiah. It is no longer I who live, but he lives in me. How does he live uh, in Paul or in any of us? Via the Holy Spirit, via the Ruach HaKodesh. The focus is on the continued work of the Messiah. Uh, and so the first thing that happens uh, is we see that this miraculous event takes place where you have these Jews from all over the place. Oh, they're all from all over the place. They've come together because it is Shavuot. It is the Feast of Weeks. Uh, and uh, we see that this event takes place, this rushing wind, uh, and they're able to speak each other's dialects. And this certainly is a miracle. And it was a sign. This was the sign uh, of the continued work of the Messiah, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the pouring out, we say, of the Spirit. And then we go on to see how Peter explains it in two different speeches, in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 3. Uh, and we see the difficulty that the apostles have in Jerusalem uh, and how they're, uh, they're, they're arrested and then they're let go. And, uh, and, but they continue to preach this message uh, with uh, with boldness. We see the beginning of the Kihilah, the beginning of the Messianic community and the unity that they had, the fellowship that they had, and how they listened to the apostles' teaching. They focused on fellowship. They focused on prayer. But we read that things were not perfect, as uh, you have Ananias and Sapphira who come. Uh, and they actually lie 
uh, to the apostles, and it's called lying to the Holy Spirit, uh, and they die right on the spot. Uh, and so you have these types of miraculous events, positive and, and negative, one might say. Uh, and uh, uh, this is the beginning of it all. And this is the gospel going out to Jerusalem and Judea. We see uh, that many are coming to uh, many are coming to believe. We saw that the apostles are brought before the Sanhedrin and Gamaliel in, in Acts chapter six. Uh, Gamaliel uh, uh, says, "Watch out! Maybe they're from God. You know, others have come before them, but they fizzled out." But if, if this thing lasts forever, maybe it's from the Lord. And remember, we talked about who Gamaliel is. He's a real rabbinic heavyweight. Uh, and, uh, and that's quite a testimony that he should give caution to the Sanhedrin about judging uh, these, uh, these men. We also see the beginning of the gospel going to uh, the uh, Samaritans, right? There's a synagogue called the Synagogue of the Freedmen in uh, Jerusalem, but it's a, a synagogue of Hellenistic of Hellenistic Jews, and uh, we read about uh, Hellenistic uh, uh, Jews coming and serving uh, the uh, uh, Hellenistic uh, community, the Hellenistic widows. We see this unity of the uh, this body of Messiah composed of Jerusalem Jews uh, and uh, uh, Hellenistic Jews, and there we see Stephen comes to the fore. Stephen and Philip and others, they come uh, uh, to serve. And then we see Stephen preaching in the, uh, uh, you know, to the uh, Hellenistic Jews, and the message is not well received, and he is, uh, he is martyred. He is martyred. And here we're introduced to Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Uh, and then at the beginning of chapter 8, we saw that uh, in a couple of weeks ago, I believe, uh, that there was a Saul and he was persecuting the believers. Uh, and now Philip uh, is introduced. And Philip brings the good news to Samaritans. So in the big scheme of things, in the book of Acts, what we see is the beginning of the restoration of the gospel to, to Israel and then the spread of the good news from Jerusalem through Judea and now Samaria. Okay, and so today the focus is on Samaria, the gospel going to the Samaritans. And as you know, uh, the Samaritans uh, and the Jerusalem Jews and the Hellenistic Jews, they, they, did not, they did not get along. So this is a very radical event, uh, and that is bringing the good news to Samaritans. And that is what Philip is doing. So again, first in the first few chapters of Acts, it is the gospel going to Jerusalem and Judea, okay? And to Jerusalem Jews and Hellenistic Jews. And now it is Samaritans. Uh, and then we, we will then begin to see the gospel going to other people groups altogether. Uh, and that's what Luke is, is bringing out. Uh, the restoration of Israel leads to the good news going to uh, the uh, the ends of the earth. So here in Acts chapter 8, that's where we are now. Philip, uh, who again we're introduced to in chapter 6. I guess it wouldn't be a terrible thing to go back to Acts chapter 6. Uh, and uh, we read there about how there was this issue uh, among the uh, Hellenistic Jews. It says in the beginning of Acts chapter 6, 
Now at that time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose among the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in their daily serving. We think it's food, we're not sure. Perhaps it had to do with whatever their needs were. There was a perception that the Hellenistic widows' needs were not being met. So it says, And the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. So select from among you, brethren, seven in number, of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This is the, the apostles. So then we read here, And the statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, uh, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and then it names a number of others. But the first two are Stephen and Philip. Uh, and then uh, we see that there the needs are, are met. And, and then Stephen uh, brings uh, this message to uh, the Hellenistic Jews. And we, we read his message in chapter 7. Uh, we read the aftermath uh, of his death. Uh, and, uh, you know, seeing the Lord and going to be with the Messiah. Uh, now here in chapter 8, now Philip. Uh, another Hellenistic uh, uh, Jewish person who knew the Lord, full of the Spirit, and full of faith, now brings the message to Samaritans. And this is what we read. There are four or five things in this chapter uh, about Philip's ministry. Uh, he, he's bringing the gospel to Samaritans. Luke focuses on two different individuals, two very different individuals. And between this week and probably next week, uh, we will uh, uh, talk about uh, everything that, you know, that we can get out of this passage. There's a lot uh, for us to learn about and uh, uh, that pertain certainly to us, uh, that pertain to us today. So we read here uh, in verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Messiah to them. So he goes to the city of Samaria. Now, people wonder where this actually literally was. Today, when you go to Israel, you can stand on Mount Gerizim. Mount Gerizim was the holy place of the Samaritans, and you can see where the Samaritans sacrificed. And you can look down. When you're standing on Mount Gerizim, you can look, you, if you look straight ahead, there's a mountain on the other side. Now, these mountains are like giant hills, okay? Not like Mount Everest or something. They're like giant hills. And you look on the other side, and you can see Mount Ebal. Gerizim and Ebal, if you remember from the book of Joshua, right? Sure. Now, in between, there's a valley. The valley is the ancient city of Shechem. Shechem, where Abraham lived, many believe that this was the city of Samaria at that time. Now, today there's a Samaritan village, right? Right near Mount Gerizim, could be right, right there as well. But many people believe it was Shechem. Now, today, interesting, Shechem is an uh, Arab city called Nablus. Nablus. And uh, you can stand there and look down into Nablus, look down into Shechem. But anyway, this was the uh, area where the city of Samaria would have uh, would have been, and he's proclaiming the Messiah to them. Now, 
It says, and the multitudes with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip. And they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was much rejoicing in that city. So here is Philip coming to people that don't know the Lord at all, and people are being healed. Uh, we see uh, 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 we, we see unclean spirits uh, coming out of people, uh, uh, and there was much, therefore, rejoicing. We see uh, lame people, paralyzed people, uh, and of course, lame and paralyzed people being healed represent setting captives free. Uh, it represents uh, a sign of the beginning of the Olam Haba. There are passages, uh, you know, in the prophets that talk about uh, healing like this. There's a couple of interesting things uh, about this. One is the people that are being healed are not believers in the Messiah. This is not like a revival meeting of some sort, uh, you know, or uh, a healer is coming, come and get healed. Uh, that's not what's happening here. This is an evangelistic opportunity. This is an opportunity of people seeing what the good news is. They're experiencing in themselves and in other, seeing it in other people, uh, the good news. You see, it is the presence of the Messiah uh, through uh, a Philip that people are experiencing. And I think that's very interesting. Remember we talked about, uh, two weeks ago in particular, about bringing the good news to people so that there's an understanding that it really is good news and that we do so uh, in our concern and care for, you know, for people uh, and not just... Uh, uh, preaching at them, but ministering to them, you know? Uh, and so whether it is a miraculous sign or it is uh, feeding people or giving people, you know, uh, what they need in order to survive, uh, uh, showing people what good news is coming from the Messiah and knowing that it is in the name of the Lord, that's how people come to faith. Again, whether it's a miraculous sign or it is uh, believers uh, uh, walking in the name of Yeshua, uh, serving people, perhaps one by one, or or going to a community that is vulnerable uh, in our in our city, or or people that we may know. Again, whether it's miraculous, you know, a, a, a miraculous sign of of healing or something else, uh, it all serves here to let people know what the good news is and who the Messiah is. And so people are uh, coming to uh, know the Lord, and there was great rejoicing in that, in that city. Now, this is an amazing thing, uh, a city of Samaritans, uh, where God is doing miracles, you know? Uh, and remind you a little bit of Elijah uh, going to, uh, you know, Gentiles and, and doing miracles. Uh, in their midst, just goes to show you God's concern for the nations. Now, we read about a particular individual in Samaria. Now, there was a certain man named Simon, who formerly was practicing magic in the city. 
and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be somebody great. Okay? Uh, and they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, This man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his uh, magic arts. So this is a person, his name is Simon Magus, Simon uh, the, the magician, doing all, you know, uh, magical arts. Uh, and the, he was wowing the people of, uh, of Samaria. And we read quite clearly that he thought much of himself and he was un understood to have great power of the gods, you, you know, uh, 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 upon him. Uh, and uh, we read uh, about him later on. Uh, Justin Martyr writes uh, about him. There was a group of people called uh, uh, Simonians who were uh, supposed to be followers or descendants of uh, Simon Magus. Nobody knows for sure, uh, but they were known as heretics. And, and so uh, Simon Magus was known as a pagan miracle uh, worker. Now, it says, when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name Yeshua the Messiah, they were being immersed, men and women alike. And even Simon himself believed. And after being immersed, he continued on with Philip. Basically means he followed him around. <laughs> uh, and as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. So Philip is doing these miracles, and everybody is understanding that he's giving a unique message about Messiah Yeshua and the inbreaking of the kingdom of God the kingship of the Messiah, uh, and, uh, you know, teaching them who he is and how to come to him. And we see men and women are, are believing Philip, uh, and they're being immersed. Uh, and, uh, and Simon sees all of this, and he even uh, believes, as it says here, and he is uh, immersed. And he's following Philip around, and he can't get over these miracles that Philip is doing. Okay, so, so far, so good. Uh, we see uh, that Samaritans are hearing the message. This is a glory to God. God is doing miracles among people that, had, that did not know the God of Israel. Miraculous things. This is a marvelous uh, uh, sight to behold. And the apostles, not too far away in Jerusalem, hear about it. Uh, and they need to make sure they come to see what's going on in Samaria. Because up until now, this was kind of unheard of, this kind of thing happening. We really need to appreciate the radical nature of this time in history. This was radical, that you have this message going forth, and these Samaritans, they do not have to become proselytes of Israel. Uh, they, uh, they, they're, they're not uh, uh, you know, coming to Jerusalem. Uh, yet, we see evidence of the presence of God and the miraculous nature of the breaking in of the kingdom and the presence of Yeshua in this place via these miracles. So we see now in verse 
14. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, see, they hear that Samaria had received the word of God. How do they know Samaria received the word of God? Meaning, word of God equals preaching Messiah Yeshua, uh, uh, equals the presence of Messiah in their midst and the people receiving the message. It's not just the miracles. They're receiving the message of the Messiah, uh, and they see the presence of God via the miracles. And, uh, and so it says, and they sent them Peter and John. Peter and John uh, here now go to Samaria uh, as representing the 12 uh, to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Okay, So they come down and they pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been immersed in the name of the Lord Yeshua. Now, this is very interesting. So this is the narrative of what happened at that time, that at this time, at least here in Samaria, we see that Peter and John come and pray over the people, and they lay hands on the people, and they receive the Ruach. Uh, and, and so now Peter and John know that this is the same message. What's interesting is that you see in the beginning of the New Covenant, there was no set pattern. It wasn't uh, exactly as we see in, uh, you know, in Acts chapter 2, if you remember uh, this. Uh, when the people understand that they had totally missed the boat on who Yeshua was, and now they understand that he's the Messiah, they say, what shall we do to be delivered? What shall we do to be saved? Remember what Peter said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38? Repent, let each of you be immersed in the name of Yeshua the Messiah for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right, well, here we see that the people uh, are believing. They uh, are immersed. We don't actually read the word repent. We trust that they've repented. But they don't receive the Ruach right away. Uh, evidently, uh, in the, in the uh, providence of God, uh, it needed to be uh, uh, coming upon Peter and John to come and witness this. So they know that it is the same, it is the, it is the same thing. So then we read, then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. I, now, you know what's interesting uh, about this? is It says they were receiving the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't say anything else. It doesn't say how they knew they were receiving the Holy Spirit. We assume uh, you know, that they spoke uh, in languages that they did not know. Uh, uh, perhaps in Aramaic. Uh, in the Aramaic dialect, uh, or the Galilean dialect, like in Acts chapter 2. It doesn't say, it just says that they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the point being is that now uh, here uh, they, they, uh, they knew that these Samaritans believed the same way that they did back in Jerusalem. And we'll see this again with Cornelius as well. But we know from the letters of Paul and, uh, and the history uh, uh, that goes beyond that, uh, that generally speaking, when we come to embrace Yeshua, we receive the Ruach. We receive the Ruach when we come to uh, embrace uh, the Messiah. But at the beginning, it was so radical that we see this take place. And may I suggest that is why Luke points it out, because it was so unusual the way this 
took place. Not the norm, but very unusual. And, uh, and again, it was really radical and a, and a miracle, especially in their eyes, if we put ourselves in their shoes, that the Samaritans uh, uh, are hearing the, the, the word and believing. All right. Now, it says, Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Okay, he offered them money. So what Luke is bringing out here is, is like a main message and then some sub-messages. The main message is, one, the gospel's going to the Samaritans. The secondary message is that there was obstacles along the way, whether it be in Jerusalem, Judea, among the Hellenistic Jews, or here in Samaria. It was not an easy thing as the kingdom of God is breaking in. And so now you have this fellow, Simon Magus, who is a very interesting, um, very interesting person here. So it says that he offers them money, saying, Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Well, Simon Magus was not understanding the good news. Even though it says he believed and he was immersed, he did not understand this message. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, it, it, and certainly it seems that uh, you know, he did not receive uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, Simon Magus, because he wants, as, as he says, give me this, this authority uh, as well so that everyone in whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. He does not understand the gift. He does not understand the message. Uh, and it's quite clear from Peter's response to him. He's like a charlatan. Uh, he wants to pay money to be, able, uh, uh, to be able to lay hands on people. Why does he want to lay hands on people? Because he is very interested in power. Uh, he is very interested uh, in, he's very prideful, interested in power of being the center of uh, attention. Greed and power, evidently, is what Simon Magus uh, was, was all about. Uh, so Peter says to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with, with money. Now when he says, May your silver perish with you, he's saying to destruction with you and your silver. You know, and that word destruction is used for, we'll just say, uh, ha days, uh, hell, the pit, you know, the place of destruction. Uh, and, uh, and so that's what he's saying to him. May your silver perish with you, go to destruction with you, uh, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter. You're not part of this. It's, it's as clear as day to me that Simon Magus is not uh, someone who is believing, really trusting in God for this message, even though it says he believed and even though he was immersed. He does not display the fruit of repentance by thinking he can, he can uh, buy it with money, that uh, he thinks that it's kind of like magical arts, uh, like what he was doing. He's interested in the sizzle, but not really uh, the steak, right? He says, you have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right 
before God. Your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. He's saying you are off. You need to repent. You have not really embraced the meaning of this message. You may assent to it. You may like it. You may like the bells and whistles, but quite clearly you have not repented of your sins. And then he goes on to say uh, here, for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. You are in bondage to sin. Uh, you know, and uh, there is a passage, uh, I believe it is in the book of uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29, and this may be what uh, Peter is alluding to. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, here uh, in uh, verse 18, or 17 and 18, Moreover, you have seen their abomination and their idols of wood, stone, silver, and gold, which they have with them, lest there should be among you a man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away from away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, lest there be among you a root-bearing poisonous fruit and wormwood. What Peter is saying to Simon Magus is, you, you are bearing poisonous fruit and wormwood. Uh, and so, you know, you are in bondage to sin. Uh, what, you know, you are a poison. You need to repent. Do not consider yourselves, yourself part of this, even though you may be doing um, uh, quote-unquote miracles but you have the wrong motive, uh, you're doing it for the wrong reason, and you will lead people astray. And this is why later on, uh, uh, Justin Martyr talks about these Simonians who were heretics and, and uh, who uh, uh, were considered to be of the, of the gods and doing miracles, but not of the God of Israel. Uh, and uh, so, so this is what Peter says to him. But now there's a response. There's a response. But Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, yourselves, so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now that's an interesting thing. Notice what Peter says. First, what Peter said, the first, after uh, he wants to buy the gift with money, Peter says, you have no uh, part or portion of this. Your heart is not right before God. Repent of your wickedness, right? You are uh, 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 of destruction, uh, bearing a fruit of uh, bitterness, poison, and wormwood, right? The gall of bitterness, bondage of iniquity. Uh, and, uh, and, and so Peter says, had said to him, you pray, right? He says, repent and pray to the Lord uh, that the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. But Simon responds and says, you pray. In other words, Simon is not part of this. Simon does not say, okay, I'll pray. He says to Peter, you pray. 
to the Lord for me yourselves in verse 24, so that nothing of what you said comes upon me. So nothing bad happens to me so that I'm not sent to destruction. He's not repenting. Uh, he's not repenting uh, uh, here. Uh, and, and so it's rather interesting. And that's the end of, that's the end of Simon Magus in, in the Bible. So Luke is bringing out something very important here uh, in this chapter. So Philip has the interactions with the Samaritans and with, we'll just say, foreigners. And he focus, Luke focuses on two stories. Uh, one is, uh, this is one story, and then there's another story. And these are the kinds of people that get encountered to, uh, get encountered with when we bring the good news. This first one is Simon Magus. Now, you know what Simon reminds me? You know who Simon reminds me of a little bit? Is a story that Yeshua tells of a man, a young man who comes to him. Uh, it's, we read about it in a number of places, uh, but uh, what I'm thinking of is the uh, story in Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, a man comes to, a young man, a young rich man, comes to Yeshua. Uh, in verse 16, uh, and he says, it says, And behold, one came to him, saying, Teacher, what good thing shall I, what, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And Yeshua said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. Now, you know, did you know that in the Talmud, the Torah is equaled with the good? It's interesting. Also, you know, in the Mishnah, in Pirkei Avot, you read about the good being the, the, the Torah and being associated with God. Remember when Moses uh, says, show me your glory in Exodus 33? What did God say? I will show you my goodness, right? So he says, why, uh, why are you asking about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter uh, to in, into life, keep the commandments. Now, Yeshua understood this man. He knew he could see him coming, so to speak. He knew what was in his heart. So what does Yeshua say? He said, so the man says, well, which commandments? Yeshua then sort of um, uh, indiscriminately names some of the Ten Commandments. Like, for example, uh, you will not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he's saying like a number of different things. Like, for example... Some of them are from the Ten Commandments. One is from Leviticus 19.18, right? Uh, and, uh, and so the young man says, all these things I have kept. What am I lacking? Now, so when the young man comes, the young man is saying to him, you know, I've kept the commandments, but I'm lacking something. There's something I'm, there's something I'm missing. Yeshua, what am I missing? And Yeshua first, you know, tells him, keep the commandments, knowing that the man is going to say, but I've done all that. What am I missing? You know, uh, and it's kind of like Simon Magus in, in a way, uh, who he's believed, he's been immersed. Uh, he does uh, these uh, miraculous things. Uh, and then he sees the apostles laying their hands on people and, and they receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'll pay you money. To, to get what I'm missing, uh, I want to be able to have that and, and to do what and to do what you're doing, right? 
And so what does Yeshua say to this man? He says to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Uh, so he says to him, sell everything you have, right? And you shall have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. So Yeshua knew that this man was wealthy and that his wealth meant a lot to him. So Yeshua hits him where it hurts, so to speak, and he says, sell what's, sell your treasure. In other words, give me your whole self. Give me your whole self. Yeshua could have said other things to him. You know, uh, if uh, uh, the man uh, treasured uh, something else, he would say, give that to me. You know, uh, perhaps he treasured, uh, as someone said in a Bible study, the uh, in fact, uh, this past week we talked about this. Uh, you know, perhaps Yeshua could have said, to "Him go ask forgiveness of someone uh, whom you've wronged." In other words, if if you're hanging on to great bitterness, here is he's hanging on to his wealth. He knew the man's heart. He's saying, "Give me your whole heart. Give me everything." It's not about checking off commandments off a list. It's about living for me. The Torah way of life. Give me your whole heart. Live out the Shema, right? Uh, uh, love me with all of your might, right? With all of your heart, with everything that, that you are. Uh, as Yeshua said in the Sermon on the Mount, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. What's it going to be? That's what he's saying to this young man. It's not about rules. It is about giving me your whole heart. If you give me your whole heart, certainly you'll, you'll keep these commandments because you'll be living that way. He says, but you're not really from your heart. You may outwardly be living that way, but from your heart, you need to live that way. And Simon Magus, you know, so the man goes away grieved. He goes away grieved. We could say Simon Magus goes away grieved, right? It's too much. What Peter is asking him to do, repent of your heart attitude. Repent of your way of life. Simon Magus is like saying, you pray for I cannot do that. Uh, that's too much to ask. I like this idea of the miracles. But to actually live this way, to repent from my heart, to show humility, that's a whole other story. And so it goes to show you that what Luke is saying is that when the people in Samaria really believed, it wasn't just they were believing in miracles. See, Simon Magus was believing in miracles. When the Samaritans were coming to believe, they were believing in the name of Yeshua. They were believing uh, in the forgiveness of sins. They were believing that he takes away their sins, and they're believing that this is really good news. And evidenced by these miracles or by Yeshua showing up uh, in their midst. And so when they were being, uh, when, when they were believing and being immersed and the Holy and they, and Peter comes and lays hands on them, they really have come in a real way to know the, uh, know the Messiah. But Simon has not come in a real way. And so that, uh, it says a couple of things to us. If you're listening today, if you're here today, uh, you know, and you're enjoying the bells and whistles, you like the music, uh, you like, uh, you know, the love that's shown, 
That's great, but that does not mean that you know the Lord. When we repent of our sins, when we confess our sins, and we embrace Yeshua for who he is, the Messiah of Israel, the Messiah and Lord, right? Uh, and that he has taken our sins upon him, then the transaction has taken place. So it's not just believing in miracles or believing in the love or believing in, in good things, you know, in, in nice things or even just believing in miraculous things. It's really focusing on Yeshua himself. Uh, that's what Luke is bringing out. Simon Magus does not really measure up to that. So the, uh, the young ruler, who seems to be a religious man, right, who is uh, keeping the commandments, but he hasn't really given his heart to God. When we repent of our sins, we're giving our heart to God. We may not be perfect. We still sin. But we need to make sure that we're giving our heart to God. Then also, though, as people like Philip, we need to make sure that we are bringing the presence of Yeshua to people in the name of the Lord. And so that there is this perfect combination of word and deed. And again, we, we may do a miracle in someone's life. It is a miracle, by the way, when you meet someone's need. Uh, certainly when the good Samaritan took care of the man laying half dead on the side of the road, let's call it a miracle, you know. Uh, and so when we show up uh, and we demonstrate the love of Messiah in the name of Yeshua, people can come to know the Lord, not just because we did a good thing for them, but because of the name in, in whose name we come and do that. And you see, that's what Philip has done. Now, I'm just going to mention the next person, okay? I'm just going to mention the next person, and then we'll talk about it at length next week. So you see what Luke does. He's in Samaria. Now he's going to go even farther out into no man's land, and he's going to encounter another person, right? He's going to, as it says here, uh, uh, he goes uh, uh, to uh, toward Gaza. Now, there's a lot in this passage, so I'm just going to say this for the sake of time. That Philip continues on, he goes to Gaza, toward Gaza, right? And he encounters someone from Ethiopia. Now, what's interesting about this person from Ethiopia, he was really different than the Jerusalem Jews, okay? He was African. We'll talk more about him. But all the only thing I want to say is how he comes to know the Lord versus Simon Magus, who makes this profession of faith. He's reading Isaiah 53 on the side of the road, and he says, how can I be saved, right? He truly embraces the message of Yeshua, uh, and he is immersed, uh, and, and, and he really believes so you see Simon Magus versus the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, one who likes the sizzle, Simon Magus, but we could say that uh, the Ethiopian eunuch really wanted the steak. He wanted the reality. The, the sizzle is not the reality. The reality is the message, the life of living in Messiah, a life of being uh, uh, forgiven of our sins, a life of deliverance from uh, a, a darkened a darkened way of life. Uh, and so uh, that's the difference, you, you know? Uh, uh, Simon uh, loved the miracle. Simon loved the power that he sees in Philip. Uh, and so I hope that uh, when we see this, we can really appreciate 
here what the good news is and how it's going to uh, the other now, you know? And this is a reminder to us of what God calls us to do. He calls us not, he calls us to go to Jerusalem you know, and face the persecution that comes with bringing the message to the Jewish world, no doubt. But he also calls us to go to Samaria. He calls us to go down to Gaza, toward Gaza. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, and with this Ethiopian eunuch. And then in future weeks, he, he tells us to go to the, the, the pagan world and, and bring this to the uttermost part of the earth, everywhere, to bring the good news, to be the good news in the name of Yeshua. And, uh, and so what an exciting message this is. And you see, this is what the Samaritans needed. This is what we need. It's what, what our world needs. And so God certainly is faithful uh, in this message. Uh, and so may we learn uh, the lessons here. May we be motivated to be a Philip. May we be a Philip and bring the message to whomever needs to hear it. And may we be Yeshua, bring Yeshua uh, to uh, people in a real way that demonstrates good news in the name of Messiah Yeshua. And may we see people come to embrace the Messiah and see the forgiveness of their sins. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and may we rejoice in that. But may we realize that we'll find in the midst people like Simon Magus as well. And we need to have eyes to see and ears to hear so that, uh, you know, uh, we can discern uh, who really uh, understands the message, like the Ethiopian eunuch. And who really doesn't like Simon Magus? And may we be like the Ethiopian eunuch. May we be like him, embracing the word, rejoicing in our uh, salvation, in our uh, deliverance. And so those are some thoughts for today. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, uh, thank you. Uh, as we go back in history and we see this message moving forward, Lord, uh, may... Uh, May we be encouraged. When we look at our world, we, we say the world needs the message of Messiah Yeshua. This is what the world needs. And, uh, and so, Lord, I pray that we might not be defeated. Uh, and it's, it's, it's too big of a job. But may we go one by one, one person at a time, bringing the message, sharing the good, the good word of Yeshua the Messiah, uh, Lord, to people and seeing people's lives change, Lord, moving from the darkness into the light, oh God, may you use us like you used Philip, Lord. And uh, God, uh, we, uh, we do thank you, God, for uh, uh, showing us, God, what it really means to, to know you and, uh, and what it means to, to what it means to live for the sizzle and what it means to live for the stake. Lord, may we live for the stake. And uh, God, we thank you and we pray in Messiah's name. Amen.